It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. But doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back, so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovius, Empire Properties, Eford Studios in downtown Raleigh. And it's all brought to you by Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Print management, document management. Do they do offensive line management, Joe? If they do, the Panthers need to get on that copiers-plus.com. <laughs> See where there's some inefficiencies, you know, saving you money. Maybe they need to find some money to uh, to find a new offensive lineman. I don't know. That, that might be something that comes up on today's show. But again, check them out online at copiers-plus.com. As Jillio likes to say, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know how much money you could be losing and how much money you should be saving with proper print and document management. And Copiers Plus can get that assessment for you. So again, check them out online at copiers-plus.com. So I did not watch the Carolina Panthers preseason game on Friday. I had other things going on and I ended up watching some clips Saturday morning. Uh, shout out to Warren Sharp, who put every Bryce Young drop back from that game against the Giants on Twitter in a super cut. And what you come to find out, what you can, what, what you see is an offensive line that continues to make mistakes, whether it's Iki Aquanu, Pac Pro, Chandler Zavala, who finally got some reps, miscommunication penalties that took that really long second drive uh, out of commission where they had to settle for a field goal. But I have to remind everybody that it's just preseason and these things are getting worked out now. And on top of that, they're incredibly vanilla and not really showing you much of anything. And on defense, they're missing a bunch of players anyway, who did not play in this game against the giants. So preseason is what you make out of it. And based on what I was able to watch through clips and social media and YouTube and everything else, it's just kind of more of the same of what we saw in their loss to the Jets. I guess there was some optimism taken, Joe, from the second drive. It was a long drive. It ate a bunch of clock. Uh, Bryce Young was trying to make some plays and stay clean. Sometimes he couldn't, but ultimately, I thought it was a little bit of an improvement from the first preseason game, but not something I'm going to get too worked up about. You okay? Are you are you playing a joke on me right now? No, or? absolutely not. Absolutely not. Wow, what did you see? What did you see? Okay, if you play poorly, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's ping pong. I don't care if we have a if we have a lousy show. Guess what? I'm going to try to do the next time we have a show. Do better. I don't care if we have no guests. I don't care if we have every guest. <laughs> I'm going to show up and show you that I'm better than the steaming pile of poo poo platter that I just served you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Jets game was bad. Yeah. For all of for all we can we can make all the excuses and logical reasons for the Jets' performance, but after that you have to come back and say this is who I am, mm-hmm. even if it's for one freaking drive. Now you're being kind by excluding the defense right now, who's supposed to be the who's supposed to carry this group. But it's a defense they without were, Brian Burns. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Burns needs to play. Miles Sanders needs to play. That's that is the fair logical points to make. Yeah. about the preseason. But you know me. I want to see fire. I want to see you breathe fire. I want to see you be interested in being there. Mm-hmm. You know who was interested in being there? The Giants? Yeah. That first drive? You know, all the time we talk about, hey, well, what does good coaching look like? And I always tell you, you, you get mad at me when I say this because the Supreme Court said it, damn it. Mm-hmm. 
you know porn when you see it. You know good coaching when you see it. That first drive was good coaching. And to, to rehash a take from last year, that was spot freaking on. You saw the difference between a real coach and Brian Dayball and Matt Rule last year. Because remember, last year was Dayball's first year. They came in, did not screw around. Mm-hmm. He made his quarterback better, mm-hmm. didn't complain, didn't go run into the owner and say, I need this, I need that. Nope, took a guy, made him better, schemed his players up. They made the playoffs. In, in large part last year, the Giants made the playoffs because they beat all of the teams they were supposed to beat. Yes. All right. So again, now I'm watching this game and I'm going, okay, Dayball looks really good. Panthers had no jump. Sure. No Brian Burns on defense. Defense was bad. Just straight up bad. Mm-hmm. The offense was to your point, better than what we saw against the jets. There were some glimmers there. I think there will, I, I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater here with the Panthers over no. the second preseason game, but I am ready to say to, to this group, where is your urgency? Okay, because we've talked about the importance of preseason and treating it like your prep time. This is what Matt Rule didn't do. Well, see, now that's the question. What is Frank Reich and the coaching staff prepping? Here's where I think you and I start to kind of merge on what we're seeing with the Panthers so far. And I know you tweeted about this and I agree. What's the identity of this team? You need an ID. What is it? No, you need it. You got, and, and that's going to take time. It, and, that, and that's going to take time. And, and, I, and I totally you and grant I, them that. Yeah. I totally grant them that. Yes. They need to figure out who they are and how they're going to play. Mm-hmm. The thing that Steve Wilkes did, and we don't want to talk about Steve Wilkes, not for bad reasons. It's just like, oh, that was pretty cool. It was like this. He's not like the coach. This, right? It was like this moment. And yeah, and there's no reason to go, <laughs> okay, fine. Re- your Matt Rule lovers out there, fine. I, won't, I rehash Matt Rule all the time. But I, we, don't re- we don't go over Steve Wilkes. We don't. It's the thing we don't do. We don't. Because it was clearly obvious that David Tepper was never going to make him the coach. But the one thing we did know about the Panthers down the stretch, what they were going to be. Once they had him. They played a very simple, yes. effective brand of old-fashioned football. They ran it, which is easier on your offensive line, by the way. Ask any offensive lineman ever what they'd rather do. And all if you asked 100 of them, all 100 would say they'd rather run block than pass block. This is not four out of five dentists. This is all of them, <laughs> okay? All of them. Mm-hmm. So they had an identity. They knew who they were. They respected the coach. I'm not saying they don't respect Frank Reich, but they had... they. There was some pull there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's a feeling out process right now. Again, love all of the offseason moves that the Panthers made. They do feel a little happy to me, though. Do you know who doesn't win football games? Happy teams don't win football games. About that. About that. You say you say happy. We've been using vibes all offseason. I thought it was interesting that Bill Voth, who used to head up the Panthers media arm, so like all the people who were really happy about a lot of the social media things that they did, you know, Darren Gant, who's still with Panthers.com, who does a good job, you know, break, breaking things down as objectively as you can. But Bill Voth was a guy who had worked with the Panthers for a couple of times, completely for a while. They completely remade the Panthers online presence. And he popped on Twitter on Friday night. And he said this, since I've popped back on here earlier, let me say something real quick. It's not really my place anymore, but if it were, I would have spent the past few months trying to temper expectations for the Panthers right now. The season isn't about making the playoffs, even though the division is even weaker. It's not even about winning, really. It's about the one thing, November and December. That's when you'll know if they have your franchise QB. Seems like some truths have been lost in the excitement. They're all going to be, there's going to be growing pains. The offensive line right now isn't what many had assumed. The weapons still need to be built up, of course. That could make it harder to judge Bryce Young and keep him healthy until November. 
But if it plays through, you'll have an answer either way in November, just like Cam back in 2011, just like Justin Herbert in 20. You just knew and playoffs did not matter. There could be a slow start, another below 500 season. What matters is if there's momentum behind Young at the end. I completely agree with Bill Voth in that regard. I completely agree with the idea that expectations probably need to be more realistic from where we spend a good chunk of the offseason. But at the same time, I am not going to fault the Panthers for how they have gone about their offseason. Because, to bring back Matt Rule, things got so bad under Matt Rule at the end, you needed to have people feel happy. Now, there's, there's a distinction here. You had to bring fans back into the, into the fold. If the fans want to overhype their expectations, so be it. I still believe they can make the playoffs because the division is that weak. And if you can take care of business against the teams you're supposed to be, given the veteran group they've got and what you believe you have in Bryce Young and what's supposed to be a much more mature on-the-ball coaching staff that Matt Rule never was, then they, they do have a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. That being said, it gets back to your point about happy. It's one thing if the social media is doing it. It's another if the Panthers also feel like they have this kind of, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. I would say they don't. I would say behind the scenes, I mean, we got it after the first preseason game where we heard about meetings. We heard about the offensive line not being happy with things. You know, Ike Aquano's meeting with the media and talking about where he's at right now. He's not very happy with his game. It's a, it's a far cry from where he was towards the middle of the season at the end when the offensive line was healthy and he started to come into his own. But right now, the offensive line is not healthy, and Aquano has been kind of overmatched right now. And here's what he had to say yesterday during some press availability. There's been a lot of made about how much Bryce has been hit in a limited amount of time. Obviously, your job is to protect him. How much has the room kind of taken that to heart over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I think we take it, you know, uh, taking it very serious, obviously. You know, that, that's our job in the room is to be protectors. And, uh, you know, we haven't been getting that done. So there's definitely a big emphasis in our room. Bryce is always a guy, you know, we need to take care of. When he does get hit, what have you noticed from him after in the huddle? Um, he's the same guy, you know, in and, in and out. Um, regardless of the situation, he's, he's a guy that is able to kind of just reset, reset his mind uh, no matter what happened during the play and just refocus guys and um, being able to pop right back up no matter what. Um, some, I, probably one of his biggest strengths. So that's Ike Aquanu uh, during yesterday's media availability. Frank Reich also talked about some of the miscommunication that took place everybody's, there in the red zone. Everybody's so nice, aren't they? Yeah, they know, right? Just ask him the question, man. Why are you playing poorly? Yeah. Why are you struggling? Why, why don't you look like the player you were last year? Uh, Ike Aquanu, guy here at State, great story, uh, three-star guy, developed here at State, becomes you know top offensive lineman, all-American, mm-hmm. all those things, top five pick, right? Last year, struggled in the opener for the Panthers last year. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy in general, in general, he struggles with his pass blocking. Mm -hmm. Okay. He struggled at state with his pass blocking. It was a problem at state, Um, but he's talented. He's a hard worker. And as we saw last year, he is willing to dedicate to his craft and improve. I have no doubt he will do that. The the first sack that he gave up to Thibodeau was just a miss. I mean, I don't know how he missed an assignment as the last guy at the end of the line scrimmage. Yeah. But that's all that was. That wasn't like he was, you know, it's not like he has the yips and didn't know how to block somebody. He just didn't block the person. So I, I wasn't necessarily concerned with that block, but I am concerned overall. That was his weakness coming out of school. And the way that they played last year really accentuated his strengths, which mm-hmm. is smart when you think about it, because that's a premium asset. When you, when you make somebody that high of a draft pick, that's a premium asset. 
And that was smart with what they did with him last year. I, I have no, I, I have no doubt that they will be smart again with him this year. I'm not worried about Icky. I'm, neither okay? am I. Yeah. But I will say this was a knock on him coming out. So you have to find ways to help him. So maybe a chip here and there, maybe you keep a tight end here and there. You don't really want to do that with your uh, left tackle that you've designated as your, as your blind side protector. But sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do in mm-hmm. order to be successful. We'll see what they do there. Um, the Panthers to me, again, this, this, this gets back to urgency. I just want to see the urgency. And I know it's the preseason and I get that. But one of the things we really cracked rule for was he'd give, he tried to protect uh, Sam Darnold. He tried to protect uh, Ky, uh, Baker Mayfield. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get enough. No, they're not trying to protect, but I want to, like I said to you, yeah. if we get embarrassed, I want to come out the next time and show who we see, are. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's process driven right now. For, like if anything, I would actually want to see more reps for Bryce Young yes. in the preseason. Like they got their last preseason game coming up this week. Is that how they ha- NFL teams handle this, this third and, because remember not they changed preseason. Not necessarily. Here's, like I would have, I would have liked to have seen Bryce play that whole first half same. against the Giants. And I would like, and I think he's going to see if I if I have I have some comments from Frank Reich going into the third preseason game from after the Giants game. I think when he had press availability yesterday, he talked about how Bryce Young is going to get reps. But even Bryce Young is talking about getting reps yeah. and treating the reps that he has had as though they're these precious commodities and they should be adding some urgency. Now, to your point about urgency. You're right. There should be urgency, but you have to balance that with not putting too much on tape early uh, on. So here's here's Bryce Young. Yeah, um, like you said, you know, it's a limited, you know, limited opportunities, but you know, you got to make those count. And you know, I think just listening to coaches stressing urgency of of every situation, every down. Um, you know, again, you get a limited amount of reps in the preseason, but you have to make them count. And you know, you, because of that, you know, there's a lot of emphasis, a lot of strain to, you know, to to be the best we can. And you know, we understand again. Um, we're trying to be perfect and, you know, you're never going to get there. And we understand at the end of the day, like you said, it's been, you know, a limited amount of passes, but we try to treat those passes like, you know, it's the last one we're going to get, um, you know, especially in the preseason since it's so limited. So just kind of having that sense of urgency is something that we're, we're really trying to stress. So that's Bryce Young. Uh, I'm that glad we're in lockstep. I wouldn't go too much into the it's vanilla. You can't show too much. Mm-hmm. You, you really sound like a a bad coach there. Joe. <laughs> um, well, there's a reason why I'm doing this. Well, Frank Reich. And, uh, well, <laughs> Frank Reich's been a coach in the NFL. So I, I'm pretty sure we know what he's going to call. He, he's not going to, you know, he's, he's 60, not surprised. He's also 62 years old. He's not going to completely go and reinvent yeah. himself. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't mean you can't throw a wrinkle in there here or there. I'll be perfectly honest with you. If I, if I was the Panthers, I would take the first drive that was scripted for Daniel Jones, who, by the way, is a better athlete than Bryce Young. I know we struggle sometimes with race and, and who's a better athlete and who's not mm-hmm. a better athlete and how we talk about quarterbacks. But Daniel Jones is a better athlete than Bryce Young. I, I But I also think the Giants, the way that they move Daniel Jones around and the way that they use play action, mm-hmm. and that will help when Sanders is in the game, obviously. I would just go watch that script and say, hey, this is how we're going to use you. Because... I think right now what they're doing, and one thing I don't like, which is modern football, is the is is there there is no drop back anymore for your quarterback. It used to be a drop back urgency. The quarterback was mm-hmm. moving, getting a little heat on his body, feeling a little bit better, feeling like he's part of the play. I don't like the catch and stand. I don't like that. And he he it's a technique. It's it's for him to be poised, it's for him to go through his progression and do all the things that they want him to do. But I feel like it's a little too nonchalant for me. It's a little too nonchalant for me. 
if your offensive line isn't good, you move people you around. Move people around. That's why the Giants move people around. Yes. And again, you got to break Young a little bit from the and and this is where I think it will be his biggest adjustment. Okay. I don't think Bryce Young is a Hall of Famer. Okay. I don't think he will be a Hall of Famer. Okay. But you have what you have to break him from is he played at Alabama. He had time to make a sandwich. He had time to tie his shoes. Mm -hmm. He had time to take the test. Because right now, after two preseason games, Can't do it. here's what I would say about this pick, right? We bagged on the Bears because Mitch Trubisky showed up in a shitty car, and that was their criteria for taking a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, man, he's driving his mom's old uh, humble. Nissan. He's, he's, humble. He, he's a great leader. And it's like, because he drives a car with... 200,000 miles on? Shows, you, shows you some intangibles, okay. man. So now the problem for the Panthers presents, did you take a guy because he was really good at a test? Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen Anthony Richardson in some of this preseason stuff. I've seen some clips. I don't know if you've seen the mixtape yet. I've seen, them, I've seen some of the clips. But you could have sat Pat at eight Amen. and had him with more. That was, and I'd be, we, and I'd be we, sitting here going, we talked about it. We now, talked that was, about now that's it. the ultimate scratcher. It's the scratcher. That would have been the ultimate scratcher. And it's I don't also, blame them for moving up and going to get their choice of guys. It's also the preseason. It is. Guys but, can look pretty good in these situations. But that's fair. But, reps here, that are, but know, what Young don't. is used to, Young is used to sunny days. Yeah. That's what he's used yeah, to. But I'll, show, I'll show you any, I'll show you any successful football team. And if they don't have a good offensive line, right, then it's going to be Cam. Well, Cam was a singular, unique talent. And there you go. But that's okay. what, that's where people are when you see. And, right. and that's kind of part of this, but too. I, but that's also part of the building process that's as what I'm well. Saying. We're literally two games into the preseason. You're dubbing him not a Hall of Famer because we've seen two preseason games? No, I, I don't. I, I don't think he's a, a special or elite that the, athlete. That the Panthers are not going to understand who they draft and what they have to I, do to build around him. I still have confidence in okay. that. What I'm saying to okay. you, though, is when you are used to playing a certain way. Sure, and of when course. you have when you always have a talent advantage over your opponent. Yes. It is different when now all of a sudden you're playing and Thibodeau is in your jock and, and you're going. And that's something that you will adjust to. That's something you, you will adjust to. And that's what gets back to, to the, and that's why I like what he said. I like the urgency comment from him. And I like the fact that it looks like going in the third preseason game, they're going to play him. Here's Frank Reich. This is after the game on Friday. Uh, he had some follow-up comments about how Friday, this upcoming Friday, is going to go in the final preseason game, and they should play. They should play Bryce Young straight up. Um, you know, well, I'm not going to say anything 100 percent sure. Um, right, right now the plan is for everybody to get ready to play, and uh, the plan is for everybody to get ready to play. We'll see how we come out of this game injury-wise. We'll talk about it as a coaching staff, um, and, you know, and see what. What do we need to accomplish? If, if I feel like we need to accomplish something as a coaching staff, if we feel like there's things we need to accomplish in one more preseason game, then we'll play the guys that need to be in there for that. Um, if I feel like we're ready, um, you know, then, you know, then we won't play those guys. They're not ready. So they're going to play those guys and they're going to play Bryce Young some more as they should. Uh, we'll close the Panthers conversation with, uh, I know that Dimitri and Lauren are doing this on Young Gun, the Bryce Young podcast. New episode will come out this week, but they already have their built in. Was Bryce Young too short this week segment filled? I don't know if you saw this, but the, the New York Giants press room setup guy did Bryce Young dirty. Have you uh -oh. seen this? No. So the guy is making sure that the cameras and the mic stand are in proper position to get a good shot. All right. So here's how it plays out. If you're watching on YouTube, you see the clip. He's adjusting the mic. How's this? 
I'm five nine. So he, he this won't block him. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so here comes Bryce Young. It, it, he's like, I'm five nine. He comes into the shot just smirking. <laughs> Why is the Giants guy gotta do him dirty like that, man? Hey, because you had that great moment at Louisville, the Louisville Carolina game where David Padgett came in and the mic was like, <laughs> and Roy came in and he's like, what's, what's going on with this So mic? good, man. So good. So good. Housekeeping. So we did it. We did it, Joe. What did we do? 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. Oh, no. No, don't. No. <laughs> so you know what that means, right? Did you at least bring ice? No. Oh God. So here's a. Oh, would you like? Uh, would you like the blue or the green color changing cup? Give me my heels, man. All right, here you go. Here's your blue. I think it turns purple for your for your uh, my for pirates. Your pirates. Uh, I got the green one, which I think turns into. I oh, know this is a yellow one that's going to turn into green. And shout out to Luke DeCock at the News and Observer, who had the club brass monkey. On ice. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the full bottle. My understanding is that uh, this was, uh, was, it's been produced since 18. What are you doing? What are you? It's 50. Yeah. Or no, this is. So you just want to show your gut on YouTube? I can't drink this sitting. You have to, you have to sit down. Otherwise you're not going to be on camera, buddy. (laughs) So sit down. (laughs) I'm not editing any of this out. (laughs) At least you got the, uh, you got the hoodie. Get the full on yeah. hoodie in the uh, in the shot, yeah. which I was going to talk about in a second. So, look, we got to four thousand subscribers on YouTube by episode fifty. I'm happy about that. Uh, this brass monkey has been sitting in Luke DeCock's fridge for a while now. It says simply chill or pour over ice. We've been simply chilling it. Um, when's the last time you have you ever had brass monkey? That funky monkey? Ninety two. Okay, this was my, my understanding is that this was a re release of the original recipe. So it's made with rum, vodka, natural flavors, and certified colors. So let's make sure I can get this in the shot here. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Why are you pouring that much? Because I'm going to be <laughs> sipping this bad boy. Oh, I love the Look at that color. Ooh. Oh, look at that. All right, man. Here you go. Take that brass monkey. So we got the 4,000 subscribers. I've never had brass I'm monkey before. Smelling it. It's actually not that bad. <laughs> positive vibes. Po- hold that thing up. Hold that thing. Hold up those positive vibes. Look at that color changing cup. Hold it up, Joe. See? Got that blue in there. That is perfect for ECU fans who love ECU football and Carolina basketball. That's perfect. Hit the horn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, it's early, man. man. It's early. 4,000 subs. We'll get to a state of the podcast a little bit later on in the show. What do you think? Oh, it tastes like the Starlight Hotel. <laughs> the Jersey Shore. Oh. <laughs> this is, look, it's it's Seaside Heights. It's 922 in the morning, so this is perfect. Like, this is perfect brunch cocktail. Yeah. If you had, like, a seltzer to throw in there with Hell some yeah, ice, man. it would be a brunch cocktail. It really would. I would, you want to go to Morning Times and go get another one of these savory uh, no. scones? No. <laughs> you don't have these scars. What kind of scars are you talking about? Oh, uh, give me a give me a Gilio night at the Starlight. Oh my god! Back in the day, well, I, didn't even, in, I didn't even. I don't even think I stayed. Darren stayed there. I didn't. 
I didn't have any money. So I like basically, I think I stayed in somebody's car oh, to be honest. Cause we went our junior year and that was the thing after the prom, you go to the shore mm-hmm. and it, there's no parents obviously. So you're just there. And the I think the room was like $55 at the okay. starlight. That's not bad. Yeah, 1992. So still probably a decent amount of money because remember, like minimum wage was like four dollars. Mm-hmm. So you you definitely had to save, and you already you already paid. So prom in New Jersey is not like some of the proms here, where you, it's not like it's not like at the high school gym. Like you go to like an actual hotel, and it's oh, like you pay, yeah. it's like a two hundred dollar deal. Yeah, like, some. I mean, when I went to prom. Uh, both my both the Cardinal Gibbons proms that I went to ninety six and ninety seven were at Our Lady of Lords in the mm. the the multi purpose mm-hmm. room. All right, they're off of what That's Anderson awful. and Six Forks. Why does he have uh, the aftertaste is actually not bad. It's actually not that bad. Maybe my taste buds are just <laughs> no. Shot. Their taste buds maybe, are terrible. Maybe maybe I'm still maybe I'm in a good place after Fridays, which will explain what happened on Friday a little bit later on. The food marathon. Oh goodness gracious! Lunch marathon. Lunch marathon with the Downtown Raleigh Alliance. But no, I don't know, man. My stomach's in a good spot right mm. now. I think I'm good with this. So when you got to the shore, obviously, you, you weren't walking into a bar. You had to go and pay somebody to buy alcohol for you. Yeah. And, and obviously, they weren't, like, getting you good stuff. And then you had, like, no money. Mm. So you, right. Cisco, Brass <laughs> Monkey, Cisco. Mad Dog 2020. I've had a bad Mad Dog 2020 and, and experience. potentially a 40. That would be, you know, you'd get one, you'd sit on the beach and you'd go from different hotel to different hotel okay. and then go buy a terrible piece of pizza mm-hmm. on the boardwalk. At what time of the day? Was um, that like three o'clock in the morning when you're shutting things down? No. Although I was able to stay awake past 830 in those days. Um, so you basically had what I watched on MTV during spring break experience, but no money. And well, that's how most of them like, because yeah, I didn't, I never had any of those. Kind of, I never, any, I never had any of those kinds of spring talking, breaks. I'm talking, we're, I had, we're throwing burritos into dude, the, uh, the, the, the slot machine in, uh, dude. on the Jersey parkway. Okay, I, had, Garth State parkway. I had the most wholesome. Shout out to Jay Palmer. <laughs> I had the most wholesome spring breaks because my brother who's 16 years younger than me, we would go make trips down to Florida, right? I mean, I went to Disney. It was good times. I enjoyed going to Disney for spring break, but again, it was like the most wholesome spring breaks you could imagine. I never had any one of those like Jersey Shore, MTV, spring break, go to Fort Lauderdale, go to Daytona Beach. I never did any of that stuff in college because I was just mooching off my parents to get the Disney vacation out of it. Babysitting my brother, essentially. It's so bad, yet we keep drinking it. Well, it's it's the nostalgia. Taking you back, man. Taking you back. Knocking right. on Darren's door, begging for crackers. <laughs> crackers? Yeah, he had saltines. <laughs> you were that hungover? Dude, I no, I had no money. I had nothing. <laughs> like Although we, this, see now what you're we what went you're on describing, this trip. It was like a gorilla run. We had dude, nothing. What you're describing to me is what I remember from Chris Clark's bachelor party in Charleston, South Carolina. If you don't know who Chris Clark yeah. is, Chris Clark uh, used to do radio with us back in the 850 The Buzz days. And part of his bachelor party, I was like the odd man out from all of his frat buddies. Okay. I was the work friend who made the trip. And we stayed on, at this like holiday inn. I think it was, no, it was a days inn right there off a of market. Pretty much says it all right. Right. There. <laughs> it was a days inn right off a of market. And it's like a classic days inn motel where 
you walk upstairs and the doors on the outside with a little balcony and you walk in. And we somehow ended up at the Southern Bell, which was one of those BYOB clubs. I was going to say you ended up at the ballet. Yes. Yeah, we went we to the, not, that was not in the budget. Yeah, we, went to, we, went so. to the adult, we went to the adult ballet. And I'll never forget that, that, that ballet because one of the dancers' name was Aquafina. Nice. And the DJ just did an incredible job of Aquafina. Aquafina, the main stage. Anyway, so they tied one on. Him and his buddies tied one on. To the point where I woke up the following morning and do- they, they never closed the doors to their hotel room. Okay. Like well, I they got were adults. A- what was their excuse? That's I was 17. Well, again, I think <laughs> it was, I, was I think for a lot of these guys, it was their first time really away ah. because I was younger. Like it was in the same boat because like Chris is your age. Yeah. So a lot of these guys had already gotten married. They already had kids. So this was like their real first time just away. And they did not know how to act. And again, I woke up. I mean, I was hung over. Don't get me wrong, but I woke up and there were just doors open and guys passed out. So is that what you're telling me your spring break was? Yeah. Okay. That sounds lavish though. Because you had like entertainment. There was, there was no, this was truly, you gotta remember we didn't have phones. Like, Try explaining this to, to your kids. You went somewhere. Oh, there was no you phones. Track anybody down. By the way, there was no TV. No, there's nothing. No. You just you literally like walked from hotel to hotel trying to find your friends from your high school. <sighs> sounds like sounds like a nightmare to me. Still sipping on that brass monkey. We're gonna be doing that throughout the show. So from here on out, the show might just get even more entertaining. <laughs> We, we might have to bring some urgency for Wednesday's show. Are you? Are you <laughs> <laughs> Move on. All right. Should, by the way, Matt Davis, State Farm. Should we hit him up before we continue to drink this funky monkey on the show? We should. And I already know the answer from Matt because he's one of the smartest people I know. Matt Davis, State Farm. He's got insurance, financial services. Go check him out at theoginsurance.com. Or you can give him a call, 919-779-8277. Matt does a great job. He's off of Abersboro in Garner. And again, it's not just home and auto or your pet. Mm-hmm. He can also help you out with your financial situation. He was instrumental in getting this podcast off the ground. I can tell you that. And he's smart enough to come up with a redirect homepage. Again, theoginsurance.com. We are not smart enough to stop drinking. Well, I'm not smart enough to stop drinking Funky Monkey on this podcast. Also, shout out to Homefield. You can use the promo code OG23 to f- save 15% off your first order. And right now is the time to do it. Uh, we got some new drops coming from the Homefield collection, uh, including 90s champs, North Carolina A&T, and 2000s champs with App State on September 1st. Again, you can use that promo code OG23 to save 15% off your first order thanks to Homefield. They make great apparel. I got a couple shirts. You've seen me rocking that. Duke's Mayo Bowl shirt all the time. I've got a, I've got the uh, the Howling Cow shirt as well. I love that shirt. And you're going to love the shirt as well. I know Chilio is all about those hoodies. And then you got something coming up, right? Oh, you got that Tar Heel. Look at that. on you, man. Their UNC stuff is Look at so good. Look and at I'm that. a sucker for script. This is the app, though. I'm telling you, download this app. Makes it really easy to find their stuff. Check them out. Homefield Apparel. Punching that code, OG23. Get yourself 15% off. What's up next? What's up next? Ooh. Mm. I feel like I'm going to have to drink Brass Monkey to get through some of these ACC topics uh, oh. that we're going to run through right now. Okay, let's let's start with the fun stuff first before I start getting mad. 
Okay. You want to start with the fun stuff? Yeah, let, let's do the fun stuff. Let's do the fun stuff before I start getting mad. Uh, the Action Network put out, they did this really fun game that was set up like Wordle, where you had to match the ACC coach with their favorite musical artist. Okay. Yes, Brett so McMurphy. Yes. We're going to play the game. Is this coach for real or is this coach Cruton? I'm going to say, well, no, I'm going to say this coach, this is a perfect illustration between the difference between Mac Brown and Dave Dorn. So let's start there. NC State's Dave Dorn, his favorite musical artist is Merle Haggard. Which I have no doubt. Zero doubt. Grew up in the Midwest. Yes. Loves Merle Haggard. I bet you. Totally authentic. I bet you after some injuries and the way the season, he, he looks back on like what could have been. He's sitting there listening to Merle Haggard's If We Make It Through December. Everything's going to be all right. Because you got to get to that crew. Uh, on the surface, I have no problems with Dave Doran giving an honest Zero. answer here. Zero. He's absolutely There's... listening to Merle Haggard. Every conversation I've ever had with Dave Doran is a country guy. I remember we did a mixtape with yep. Dave Doran years ago. He was mentioned in Sturgill. He was mentioned Steel Divers. He's mentioned all these guys. However, so believe it. However, Mac though, Brown. However, there is one problem with Dave Doran's answer, and that is, let's get to Mac Brown. Mac Brown says Eric Church, the chief, who just did mm. one of these, you know, these booster events, these NIL events, most recently. And he's a big Carolina guy, even though he's an App State guy. Canceled a concert during the Final Four. All that stuff. So Eric Church is Mac Brown says, do you believe Mac Brown actually listens to Eric Church? Of course I don't believe him. (laughs) But who just helped him raise probably a million dollars? Eric Church just did. Yes. Huh. Huh. Scotty McCreary just helped NC State raise $800,000. Fro, the Garner legend, a bone, sir. Even if Merle Haggard is your favorite. Play the game, Dave. Come on. That's a good point. Come on. That's a good point. But that is the difference between Dave and Mac right there. Play the game. Play the game. Somebody plays the game. Somebody plays the game. Although, you know what's funny? Somebody plays the game. Somebody doesn't. And the results are largely the same. Weird. That's fair. So be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. I was going to say it tracks for Dave that he was honest and and just kind of. All right. Got went with it. So let's go through the rest of the ACC coaches from the Action Network. I Speaking of um, Jersey guys, speaking of Jersey, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Hafley, Hafley who's, boy, who's your age and grew up literally 20 minutes from my house. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that's absolutely right on. Clemson's Dabo. Garth Brooks. That boy. That boy. Totally believe that he's got Went rope to in Alabama. the wind. Yeah. That dude's got rope in the wind on cassette in his car right now. Cassette. Still. Cassette. Yeah. Yes. All right. That thing's been warped. He's got it. Duke's Mike Elko listening to Jay-Z. Do you believe that? He's Jersey. <sighs> Felt like, hey, what answer could I give that would be cool? But that's not cool anymore. That people would like. No, see, here's no, but the, somebody. The, well, Elko's between us, right? Elko is. Or is like two years younger than me. Yeah, Elko's between right you between and me. us. So Jay-Z actually tracks. I believe Mike Elko when he says Jay-Z because Jay-Z is not an answer you give to. If he had said Lil Uzi Vert. Okay. If I he see said where you are now. Lil Yachty. Yeah. Any any of these artists that are Lil something. Lil Baby. Right. The Baby. All that stuff, I would have said he was full of crap. But the fact that he says Jay-Z, Jay-Z. tells me that he is peak Gen Xer. Okay. Who likes rap. 
who likes Jay-Z. So I actually believe, I actually believe Mike Elko when he Isn't says Jay-Z. Funny that the only thing I don't need brain. Mike Elko to say at Duke at a press conference is, hey, problems. I don't know. No, 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 no. No, it took seven years to become an overnight <laughs> oh, sensation. Your favorite. I don't need that from him. Well, it right? didn't take him. That's it for did. sure. It did. He did in one year. All right. <laughs> so good for Mike Elko. He's better than Matt Rule. <laughs> Can we ever get over Matt Rule? Probably not. Mm. The thing Probably is, not. the thing is, I want people to understand if you'll ever in your life be as right about Matt Rule as we were, <laughs> you would celebrate you'll it every ride. single day. Like we you're going to you're going to ride that forever. You're going to absolutely ride that forever. All right. Mike Norvell says Bob Marley. No, you don't buy that. No. <laughs> Georgia Tech's Brent Key says Jimmy Buffett. Uh, potentially. OK. Jeff Brom, LL Cool J. Jeff Brom, your age, I think. The LL Cool J. Jeff, Again, you don't Jeff say Brown, that. I think is actually from Kentucky too. Okay, you don't say LL Cool J to 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 vibe with the youth. So maybe he actually is somebody who still has a mama said knock you out because single somewhere in his uh, in his house. Mario Cristobal says Guns and Roses. I absolutely you could believe see that. that. I absolutely believe that. Pat Narduzzi says ACDC. <laughs> I that tracks so much that that Pat dude. Narduzzi, yes, absolutely. Yes, plays he knows back in black. Yes. <laughs> no, Pat Narduzzi knows one mode and one mode only, yes. which is ACDC, which has essentially made an entire career of doing the same song again and again and again, and yet making it be like, oh, I'll rock to this. Uh, yeah, sounds different. Brent Prize and Almond Brothers guy? Oh, I got Key and Pry mixed up. Brent Pry, Virginia wait, Tech. Wait, wait, wait. The Atlanta guy went Jimmy Buffett? Yeah, he went Jimmy Buffett. Oh. And Brent Pry went Almond Brothers band. Virginia uh, head coach Tony Elliott says Nas. Totally believe that too. And then, of course, we know this is for real, for real. Wake Forest, yes. Nick Lawson, Talking Heads. Uh, I was actually, I caught up with Martin Rickman, uh, who used yeah. he's a Wake Forest guy, used to be in this area. He's happy that you unblocked him on Twitter, by the way. Uh, he doesn't remember. You probably don't remember. I don't block anybody. So apparently you apparently you had a blocked and you you apparently had a conversation with him. Like, I don't know how you ended up blocked. Oh, OK. You guys have. Made yeah, I don't block anybody. So I caught up with Rickman. He's a Wake Forest guy and he's a music guy. And he's like, yeah, the whole Dave Clawson talking heads thing is a real yeah. thing. You and I have had conversations with him. I'm sure he's really happy he about the mad four at us when we did the mixtape, oh, but he couldn't come up he, with the actual because it was like he had a little stage fright. He had a little stage fright. I also yeah. hit him with some new order yeah. too yeah. in the cars, which again, all that new wave stuff. But I'm guessing he's pretty hype about the fact that Stop Making Sense is getting re-released later this year in 4K. It's getting uh, an, an HD restoration. I, I want to go see that. We have a conversation with John Curry, mm-hmm. Wake AD, Wednesday. We've been invited to Winston-Salem to go do our show in Winston-Salem at, at the, uh, to be hosted by John Curry and the Wake Nation. Oh, as he, as he, as he's, come, no, he said, come to Deke Town, come Deke to Town? Deke Town. We're going to We've Deke been Town? invited. Yeah. So we'll work that out on right. Wednesday when, when we can go down to Winston-Salem. I'm down with it. I told him, you know, I, I, I enjoy both of your coaches, although Steve mm-hmm. Forbes not communicating with me right now. And well, I, I, Steve, you Forbes, gotta, Steve Forbes is going through some things right now. His wife recently in the hospital. Okay. Um, things are no. I get it when people don't want to talk to me. Yeah, you know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. Like no, that but Forbes. Forbes got some like real life issues taking place right now. He's a little preoccupied. But I still like them both. I know. So I know. I'm, you I'm like, ready. You like them all. All right. Elsewhere in the ACC, this is from Brad Crawford. This was from Friday. He works for 24/7. Couple sources have indicated UNC expects NCAA to reverse its decision on Tez Walker's eligibility for the opener against South Carolina. Good. Likely to hear something next week would be quote unquote heartbroken. If it stands, I mean, that heartbroken quote comes directly from Mac Brown. Mac Brown's been very open about the fact 
that Tez Walker is going through it emotionally to get back on the field. You and I talked about this. I say good as long as it means Bayheim doesn't get one of his kids back. Because Maybe. remember, Bayheim's kid was at an Ivy League school. This was the one in the NCAA's defense on this. Mm-hmm. This was the one thing that they were kind of uniform about. Okay. But that teams who didn't participate in the pandemic year don't get that year as the extra year. I see. I see. So his kid wanted an extra year. The one who was at Cornell, not Buddy, but the other one mm-hmm. wanted an extra Jimmy wanted an extra year and they didn't give it to him because all basically it was the same thing that happened to Chandler Zavala last year. As you'll remember, Chandler Zavala ended up getting his year. So if you're a state fan and you're like, oh my God, don't cape or help Carolina. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. Be, the, the, the athletes deserve their chance. This isn't about your fandom and your school and, and the NCAA. This is about them getting a chance. So I asked for honest feedback from listeners the last couple of weeks. Okay. And if you've got, I mean, again, constructive criticism, I'm always going to take. You wanted the Robert Sala. We had a chance to make an impression and you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us how we could have. That's what I want. Yeah. I'm being dead serious. No, you okay. are. So, and you can email us the OG goes digital at gmail.com. And a listener, Scott, sent me to say, we got a really nice email. We, we got a couple, we got a couple really nice emails uh, last week. And uh, Scott, and really, you're not reading all of Scott's email. I'm not going to read all of it. Okay. Uh, it was titled <laughs> Encouragement and Feedback. Yes. But it, it does tie into what we were talking about with Tez Walker and how things are kind of maybe changing in favor of of Tez Walker playing for UNC, although they're running out of time. I mean, week zero is this upcoming week. And he said, my only real suggestion for improvement would be a little more pushback at times. And he gave this example. I think we can all agree that Tez Walker should be eligible. I think we can also agree that Roy Cooper overstepped in writing a letter to appeal for him. He wrote a letter to Charlie Baker and the NCAA to reverse their decision on Tez Walker. I felt like you guys were a little too dismissive of fans who felt like he was out of line in doing so. I get that you can't really criticize him. We can. I have. But, and he may never come on your podcast again. I mean, given the fact that we've made Roy Cooper a meme several times, I think he gets what we're we're trying to do. He's likely a nice dude. I saw that he supported you on social media during your transition time. However, I do think... To kind of say people who were mad about him not helping out with NC State's COVID baseball team and then actually blaming the team for their own demise, despite that they had players who had actually uh, had enough vaccinated players to play. I get it. But I kind of thought that we could have had some honest conversation about Cooper's letter instead of it kind of feeling like it was not critically addressed. That's a fair that is a fair email. I will straight up say that is a fair email. And here's what I would say to that. It's consistency. If I think we all understand that Roy Cooper is a UNC guy. He's a double Tar Heel, for heaven's sake. I also think we understand that the, the, the conversations around the NCAA and how politicians have actually come out in favor of student-athlete rights or athlete rights, whether in, it's in the form of name, image, and likeness, getting a cut of television revenue, or in this case, when it comes to Tez Walker, saying, hey, wait a minute, these rules are not consistently applied So why are you doing this to a guy who announced his transfer two days, literally two days before you changed the rule? It should have been kind of grandfathered in because he was operating by the rules of the time. And I know you said this last week, when everybody's getting rubber stamped transfer waivers, why would you think it would change? Okay. And then you also look at the context around Tez Walker at UNC. Why would you go against that? 
But, you know, those who carry water for the NCAA are saying, well, you know, who carries water for the NCAA? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. There's some college football Illuminati that actually carries water for the NCAA. Oh, so the point being, I get where Scott's email is coming from with it when it comes to Roy Cooper. But I do think context matters for a lot of the other instances of what people are bringing up. Well, you did this for Tez Walker. Well, why didn't you do it for this? Well, things have changed over time. I still maintain what happened with UNC, if they had actually, with NC State, I should say, at the College World Series. Yeah. If they had just done what the NCAA wanted them to do, rather than giving the NCAA an excuse to kick them out, they would have actually played the game rather than being sent home. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Thirsty. Are you trying to find something else other than the club? The brass monkey? It's, it's just, it's taunting me. Is it hitting you right now? It's taunting me. I, I'm not going to lie. I get a little buzz. <laughs> I keep drinking it. Woo. <laughs> I'm supposed to give a state of the podcast here in a little oh, bit. Oh, oh, you know, like okay, okay. I'm just saying, I might be oh. a little tipsy by the time we get around to that. Careful, we got, we got. We I know we got, we got to talk to a lawyer here in about four minutes. Anyway, point Not being, Kelly. point being, point being, I get, I get the argument. I'm not dismissing your argument. I think the ultimate tell for Roy Cooper, as long as he's yeah, governor, is if he's consistent with it on other matters. Sure, that's all. I, I also don't think that. I mean. Look at me. I respect Roy Cooper. Of course. Obviously. You give him a, an insane amount of shit, though. Uh, obviously. <laughs> but I don't think the NCAA is going to be like, oh, the governor of North Carolina wants this guy to be. They're, they don't care. Honestly, you know what? they don't care. They don't care what Roy Cooper has to say. Ultimately, right. what they care is, are they going to lose in court? And if you lawyer up, then chances are right. you're going to beat the NCAA. We saw this with over and over and over. Chandler Zavala last year. Last year alone. All right. There's NC State examples about this. You can go Chandler Zavala. Hell, you can go Braxton Beverly. Your most read piece on the News and Observer ever. <laughs> you can do an incredible profile on a player. Yeah, but nobody cares. Getting mad at <laughs> getting mad at the NCAA for Braxton Beverly. Like 2,500 words on Bradley Chubb. Yes, <laughs> like their best player in like since Philip Rivers. Right. <laughs> so, nah, nah. Braxton Beverly. Same day as Carolina gets off, gets popped for uh, going to class, and it was. Uh, 600,000 page views. You ready to get mad? This is about Stanford and Cal. Yeah, it is. Okay. You ready to get mad? I'm ready. Okay. So, Chris Vanini at The Athletic writes a Sunday column (laughs) titled Making the Case for Stanford and Cal to Join the ACC. For context purposes, in the aftermath of the Pac-12 breaking apart and schools leaving for the big 12 and the big 10. You've got some scragglers, Washington state, Oregon state. You got Stanford and Cal Stanford and Cal. There's been a push to get them to join the ACC. You've had Condoleezza Rice, Stanford grad publicly stumping for Stanford. Who was stumping for Cal? No, it was George Bush Bush for SMU. Yeah. The dub was, uh, was pushing for SMU. Although the SMU conversation seems to have withered on the vine. And I think it was Brett McMurphy who said, maybe the ACC will listen to Cal if Marshawn Lynch decides to publicly stump for Cal. There was a vote against from Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State. And there's been a lot of digital link and a lot of YouTube space devoted to, well, why would they do this? And we talked about this a little bit last week. Ultimately, you can come up with all sorts of reasons as to why they shouldn't do it. But there is one common denominator. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add, add to the, the right word. Money. 
doesn't make financial no, sense. It doesn't. Stanford and Cal are not helping the ACC in terms of television revenue. If anything, it eats into your budgets because you have to account for travel to get out to the West Coast. And Vanini pushes against this. So I read it. And his ultimate argument was the ACC should add Stanford and Cal because everybody else is doing it. Are you a parent, Chris? You should drink that brass monkey at because the Jersey everybody Shore else is because doing all it. of your friends are. Like that is that that tell I me mean, I don't know I don't know Chris I really I, do I don't not know, know Chris him. either and I, I'll I'll be fully I'll be fully transparent here I I retweeted his story but mm-hmm. I didn't read it oh I read it because it's absurd I'll read it and I'll get to it in a second but ultimately the story is multiple paragraphs about how everybody else did it so you right. should too which again speaks to the fact that I don't think Chris is a parent because if you were a parent how many times have you said oh. Because such and such is oh, doing it. You is, feel like you need to do is it. Is Julio jumping off the bridge too? Oh, are you going to do it oh, too? Go ahead. Oh, Julio's going to the Jersey Shore and drinking a bunch of brass monkey. How'd that work out for him? Not good. Not great, here right? And here we are. 31 years later, I'm struggling. But one thing, it gets back to our conversation about Roy Cooper and where I understand some listeners would be upset with Roy Cooper and consistency. Sure. And there is a, there is a nasty habit when we talk about the ACC and adding teams, and people ultimately undercutting their arguments without realizing it. So Vanini spends multiple paragraphs arguing that Stanford and Cal should be in the ACC because, well, they have successful athletic departments. And academically, academically, well, Stanford does. Academically, they're in line with the majority of the ACC. Cool, 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 cool. Then he writes this. The Big 12 survived and has thrived because it has it. (laughs) Vibes, man. Vibes. Thrive because it gathered like-minded schools that know they can't catch the Big Ten and SEC in revenue. The rest of the ACC needs to understand that third place is not a bad place to be. It's even possible that the league's supposed albatross of a TV deal through 2036 actually looks good in five years with the state of the TV industry. Having a linear channel with the ACC network and longer guarantees from ESPN is not necessarily a bad thing. Wait, is he arguing for us or for him? What what does he think he's arguing for right now? Chris, dude, do you understand what you just did in that paragraph? Do you you understand what you just did in that paragraph? You essentially negated every argument for additions to the ACC outside of Notre Dame. If you bring Notre Dame and Stanford as their buddy, then yes, we can have this conversation. But it starts and ends with what Notre Dame does, which is a separate podcast altogether. But that paragraph right there from Chris is not unique to him. There's a lot of people who talk themselves in the circles about all these fantasy scenarios about conference realignment, games of risk, which is essentially what this is. And they're like, you should do this. You should do that. Shout out to Greg Swaim, who's been made, who has made a career for nearly 20 years talking about conference realignment and being wrong 99% of the time. But hey, cool, man. You get millions of views coming up with fantasy scenarios because that's ultimately what listeners want to engage with. But in the real world, What you just argued, what you just said in that paragraph is the reason why the ACC shouldn't do anything. It's the golden handcuffs. It's the gift and the curse of the grant of rights. Essentially, what you're saying here is something you can't even commit to, that being in third place isn't a bad thing. Joe, how many years years have I been arguing that third place is not a bad place to be? It's just fine. It's just fine. You're not built like the Big Ten. You're not built like the SEC. The Big Ten, by the way, which never wins. All kinds of money. 
and you have a place at the table, which is the most important yeah. thing. And everything else should revolve around the fact that you have a place at the table. That's what drives Clemson and ultimately what should drive Florida State. Yeah. Let, let's be clear here. If Stanford and Cal made financial sense, mm-hmm. the presidents who are ultimately the ones making this decision would have already made the decision Yeah, that they would add Stanford and Cal. So I'm assuming Chris's argument was, put TV time slots. You could have a time slot late night and you could watch the ACC football all day, which was uh, Colin Cowherd's cockamamie Big Ten argument, right? Mm-hmm. If those schools added value, they would already be in the ACC. If Oregon and Washington, going back a step, added any value, they'd already be in yeah. the ACC as a full member, Okay. Sometimes you just have to say the stuff out loud. Mm -hmm. NC State ran a fake field goal against ECU in 2016, where the holder, who is the punter, by the way, ran the option with the kicker. And I would just say to you in the the meeting room, just say it aloud. Hey, man, we're going to run a fake where the punter runs the option to the kicker. And at some point, somebody in that room would say to Dave Doran, hey, coach, that's not a good idea. So... I think what NC State and what North Carolina are doing right now, I think what Kevin Guskowitz and Randy Woodson are doing right now is they're having Notre Dame and Boston College and Wake Forest and any other school that thinks adding Stanford and Cal is a good idea. They're just saying to them, hey, just say it, say it out loud. Let's, let's, let's walk through it. Yeah, You want to add a football program in Stanford, right? Because this is about football. This isn't about all of the other sports that they excel in. This is about football. Stanford's lat. Here's here's Stanford's Stanford had a run under Jim Harbaugh and, and David Shaw, no doubt. Here's their last four years: three and nine, three and nine, four and two in the pandemic, four and eight. That's why Shaw got fired. Here is the ultimate argument against. Here is the ultimate argument against Stanford football. Bill Walsh is considered the father of modern football. Bill Walsh is the the true genius of coaching. Forget Bill Belichick if you're too young to remember. Okay, Bill Walsh actually came back at the end of his career and coached three years at Stanford. Yes, he went 10 and three one year. Then he went four and seven, three, seven and one. And he tapped out and said, I got enough of this. Yeah. If the greatest coach in the history of this game in the modern game can't win at your school, guess what? You're probably got some problems. Okay. Now let's talk about Cal. Do you realize the last time and, and, and here comes the shattering glass because Carolina hasn't won this thing since 80 state hasn't won this thing since 79. Do you realize the last time Cal won a solely won the pack eight title? Mm. It was called the pack eight back then. Yeah. So there's your first hint. Yeah. 1950. Jeez. Yeah. They had a guy named Aaron Rodgers who just might be the single most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL, by the way, they had him for two years and they did, they did really well with him. They didn't, they didn't win the back. They didn't actually win the conference that year because USC beat them. USC had to vacate it. 1950 is Cal's last outright pack pack conference title. Do you want to guess who the coach was? I have no idea. You might guess it as like a, as a uh, mad lib. Um, let's fill in some answers. Your first name is a liquor. Your last name is a hotel. Pappy Waldorf was their coach <laughs> in 1950. I put some Pappy Waldorf in a cookout shake. <laughs> and people got mad. Yes. So what are you? So again, all you got to do is say these things aloud in the room or on the conference call with the other presidents and say, what do we really get in Stanford and you Cal? You get nothing. You could probably look really cool in the U.S. News and World Report or the Princeton Review. Yes. But guess who's not buying TV subscriptions for whatever they are in 2023? Guess who's not buying tickets to go to a stadium to see the Princeton Review or read the U.S. News and World Report rankings? Yeah. All of those people, those fans in the Big Ten, those fans in the SEC. 
shout out to my hometown realty. Check them out. It's the longest we've ever gone without this. <laughs> I know, right? So uh, check out myhdr.com. So we need to go back. What? <laughs> Your ads, sir. I know we do have ads. We're a little backloaded right, all right now. All right. Uh, check out myhdr.com. Give them a call 919 550 Buy, sell a house. We have multiple, multiple agents across the area. And they can make sure that you can sell your house quickly. And again, in the competitive market that is buying a house, get you on the right track. So again, check that out at myhtr.com. And we're going to talk to a lawyer here in a second. We've talked to lawyers in the past. Thanks to our friends at Whitaker and Hamer. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Uh, they've helped us understand the grant of rights. They can help you navigate your legal issues as well. Look, you're closing on a house, you're selling your business, you got any kind of family law needs, give Josh Whitaker or Joe Hamer a call. 919-772-7000. Of course, they have the world's greatest URL, wh.lawyer. Did you call Whitaker and Hamer when uh, you got a speeding ticket? I, I ended up going to a specialist in Alamance okay. because that's where we were. Mm -hmm. And well, quite frankly, I also have a roommate who was a lawyer who who knows a lawyer. All right. So, so could help me. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. He's not on video for some reason. We'll we'll make this work. We're working on it. We're working on the video aspect of it, but it's no big deal. We got, this camera. we got audio. We got audio for now. So we're we're fine. Uh, we got how is he listed in your phone? Tyler the speeding Tyler, ticket guy. Speeding ticket. Yes. Tyler, do you have a last name? Tyler. Uh yes, Tyler Ellenberg. Okay. Ellenberg, okay. can you hear me? Yeah, man. We, Tyler, we can hear you. It's all good. And audio is gonna be just fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so did you know Joe Giglio before he texted you or called you? No, I, I didn't know Joe. Um, big fan. I've been listening to the podcast and to the radio okay. station for some time. Um, I think one of, P, uh, one of Joe's buddies, PK Shear, um, I guess they were roommates, freshman yes. year roommates. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, of course, Joe's just them. looking for any lawyer, so he just texts the only one he knows. And then we got connected, and I was able to to help Joe out, but it was a pleasure. So Joe got a speeding ticket on our way, on our way to, to uh, Wyndham, Wyndham yeah. at, uh, at Sedgefield. You know, Joe gets to talking. He's not really paying attention. Not paying attention at all. And uh, next thing you know, we see some blue lights in the rearview mirror, and uh, we, went, uh, we went from there. He didn't get a warning or anything else. So, Tyler, what did you, uh, what did you do for Joe? Well, you know, when Joe texts me, first thing um, I kind of pride myself on is I actually give out my cell phone number to my clients so they can text me, which is kind of a red flag for most lawyers. But <laughs> Joe was able to text me. <laughs> I actually called him, you know, talked to him about it, what I could do for him. Um, go down, travel, put it on early because a lot of people have anxiety about these kind of things just waiting and pending. And one of the hardest things to do for a lawyer is getting them to show up to work. So I got it handled early, went down to Alamance County, was able to text him. He could pay it online very quick and easy and uh, was able to send him a text when I was all done. Easy as that. Dement, Askew, and Johnson. Give, you, give, you, give your guys yeah, a plug. Yeah, oh, guys yeah. Plug. Let, okay, I can. So it's dementaskyou.com. You can ask for Tyler Ellenberg. We're right on Fayetteville Street. And I'm going to do another thing that's crazy. I'm going to put my work number on the air so you can give me a text at 919-623-0065. That's 919-623-0065. 
speeding tickets or anything else, just give me a text and I'll try to get back to you as quick as I can. All right. Um, you got thoughts on the Wolfpack this year, Tyler, because as I like to point out with my friend, Josh Whitaker, there are, and Punkage, mm-hmm. there are, NC State does actually produce lawyers. <laughs> well, yeah, we're lawyers. When I'm in the courthouse, I am just swarmed by seas of light and dark blue. <laughs> um, luckily, most lawyers from Carolina don't actually go into a courtroom. So <laughs> there are a few Campbell grads that I can talk to. Um, but what I will say, I think this is the first time that as an NC State fan, I've actually been excited about an offensive coordinator. Um, NC State... The offensive issues over the last few years have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that when the Tim Beck halfback pass was coming, uh, <laughs> it was kind of infuriating. <laughs> but I'm excited for an offensive coordinator, and I can I can say that that's the first time. And so, hopefully, looking to see what happens. You got a prediction for me? Um, you know, I don't. I don't know what it's going to be like this be, season just because, you know, up, I, think, I can be talked into eight and four. I could be talked into it, but I think seven. I, I, think, I think it's eight and four just because it's a benchmark. We're going to lose one. We should win and we're going to win one. We shouldn't. Um, I think that um, Houston, after all the pains and the relegation that he saw last year in the Wolfpack offense, I think that he's going to have a big year. Um, I think that he's fast. He caught a lot of passes last year, I think. And Nay's going to be able to find him. I think it's going to be a big year for Houston. And I say eight and four. All right. With with a win in Carter Finley um, versus Carolina, of course. I can't remember the last time we lost to him. <laughs> wasn't that long ago. It, was it wasn't that long ago. More off the not type things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Tyler, we appreciate it, man. And thanks for getting Julio out of jail, yeah, man. Oh, you won. All righty. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. All right, that's Tyler, the speeding ticket guy. Yes, in your... Tyler speeding ticket. Sp- Tyler speeding. Tyler. Ticket. Tyler speeding okay. ticket. Yeah, that's. Uh, who would demand you ask you Johnson? Who would, ask you. Com. Who would you call to get out of a gambling jam? Ooh, probably Punkage. <laughs> <laughs> probably. In general, you're asking me the question: Who would you call to get out of trouble? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that that's who it would be? So, I would start there. Yeah. I I will I will admit that. I have not paid that much attention to golf this year outside of the live golf sure. extravaganza. But my spidey senses tingled last week when there was a book that's coming out by Billy Walters, a noted sports wagering aficionado who I'm guessing you've heard of this guy before. I had not heard of him okay. before all of this. So Billy is writing this book and he has some pretty incredible passages about Phil Mickelson, who we do know has, and he has admitted to having a gambling addiction. All right. And some of the numbers that he attached to what Phil Mickelson was betting is pretty wild. Now I have a variety of thoughts on this, which we can get to in a second, but I did want to focus on one particular thing because it's, Ryder Cup season. The Ryder Cup is just around the corner. Italy. We have that in the budget, it's right? It's in Rome. Yeah, we're totally going to Rome, right? <laughs> the OG Pope loves us, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The OG Pope Mobile. Let's go. So the Ryder I don't Cup. Think that's how you get to Italy. Uh, <laughs> what? There's no channel from here, from RDU to Rome in a Pope Mobile? Does it work that way? So half the Ryder Cup is set on the US side. 
European side, the side's automatic not, qualifiers. The yeah. automatic qualifiers are set for the for the the U.S. side of the Ryder Cup. The European side is not set yet. That'll be set here in the near future. But you've got Brian Harmon, who is the, the little B, the Open champ. Yep. You got U.S. Open champion winner Wyndham Clark. You got Max Homa, your boy, the homie. He's uh, he's in that group. You got Scotty Scheffler. You got Xander Shoffley, and you got Patrick Cantlay. Brooks Kepka not in the automatic qualification because he just missed out because of live golf, by the way. Right. But he could be one of the captain's choices. Uh, that'll be decided by Zach Johnson. He's the captain right. of this upcoming Ryder cup. Does, does Phil Mickelson have any sort of bets, any wagers on who's going to make the team? Does he have any bets on who's going to win the Ryder cup? I was going to say, I don't know if you could bet on who's going to make the team. You can definitely bet on who's going to win it. I, I bet you 30 years since the U S has won in uh, basically a road match. I bet you Phil Mickelson knows a guy who will take action on who's going to make the team as terms of captain's choice. He definitely does. Um, boy, that's an, from the outside, that's a very uninspiring lineup right now for the U.S. Oh, yeah, you tell me. that Those names mean nothing <laughs> to me. Since they're going against, since Rory, Rahm, and, and Hovland, Victor Hovland, who won this week at the BMW Championship, and Hovland's really been on his game. It's going to be interesting how they go about these captain's choices because you got Lucas Glover, Ricky Fowler, who've been playing out of their minds. Ricky Fowler kind of season long, Lucas Glover of late. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas. Like, I'm not sure in match play how you don't take JT. You also have Jordan Spieth, who's a birdie machine, and, and kind of and JT and Jordan Spieth are kind of a package deal uh, with their friendship and the way that they play together. So there will be some tough choices to be made there because of a guy like a Wyndham Clark and a Brian Harmon popping up and winning the major the way that they did. Now, why BK? I guess it's because he hasn't had the other tour events to lean back on because he won the PGA and was second in the Masters. So you would have thought he'd be up there, but. Um, yeah, the last, the last Ryder cup, the U S you know, wiped the floor with, with the Europeans. So this gets back to Billy Walters. Who's writing this book. He was recently on the no laying up podcast. Yeah. And in the book, there's a passage about the fact that Mickelson allegedly had called him up during, during the Ryder yeah. cup at Medina. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted the to famous. place, he wanted to place a $400,000 bet on the U S Ryder cup team to win, to win. Okay. Now, it's okay. not uncommon in golf for, for golfers to actually bet on themselves. It's let's, legal in the British Open and other events that have happened in Europe. It's let's, not uncommon. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. Let's put a pin in that. So, according to Walters, he informed Mickelson that he wanted nothing to do with said bet. Now, again, this is a guy who's made an insane amount of money on sports wagering, and he's worked hustles, multiple sure. sports books. He had a team of people who would make bets. He, he, he was actually one of the, my understanding is he was one of the first people to understand how to move lines. Yes. Basically and buy people bets. Yeah. People wouldn't take his action. Yes. Why he needed other people to put it, to go do and put, place bets. But out. stuff that's actually pretty regular now, my understanding about like futures and buying bets off the board, like you had a futures bet on, yeah. a, on a particular team yeah. and you could actually sell that. That's standard practice now. You but could, Walters was ahead of the game with that kind correct. of stuff back in the correct. day. So Walter said he that this is what Phil Mickelson wanted to do. And the way people interpreted it on the internet was that, oh my goodness, Phil Mickelson dropped 400 grand on the U.S. Ryder Cup team, which can affect its team play here, all right? It's one thing if golfers bet on themselves or might have action on a golf tournament because it's individual play. Once you start getting into the team play aspect, that's when things start getting a little dicey for me. Walter's clarified saying, I didn't take the bet and I don't know if Phil ended up having the ability to take the bet. I think I talked him out of it. It's essentially what he's saying. Now, Joe, 
I don't want to be an ass here. But Phil Mickelson, and, and Mickelson tweeted this out um, shortly after. This was back on August 10th. I never bet on the Ryder Cup. While it's well known that I've always enjoyed a friendly wager on the course, I would never undermine the integrity of the game. I have also been very open about my gambling addiction. Okay, that being said, do you think that in the height of your gambling addiction, your guy telling you, I'm not taking that action, is going to stop you from finding somebody Who's going to take that action? This is a guy who had his wife bet, um, I think it was $200,000 on the coin toss of one of the Super Bowls. Okay. So. Which gets to my big question. Why is it that golfers, and Phil Mickelson specifically, whether it's insider trading, which is why Billy Walters yeah, is in jail in the first really place. their problems, those two. What is, what is stopping people from completely burying Phil Mickelson after all these years? A man who allegedly took a Callaway deal to pay for for said gambling debt. Well, it took the live deal to pay for the gambling debt. To pay debt. for said gambling debt. <laughs> yes. Golf seems to be immune from integrity of the game accusations. Well, if you're, we've had fixing scandals sure. in tennis. We get NFL players who can't play for a year because they're just taking bets on other sports. I mean, gambling is part of golf. I don't know how you separate the two things. Well, there's a difference between friendly wagers on the golf course and what uh, Phil Mickelson's doing. What what you would consider to be friendly is different for every person. Like Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what I bet $10 a, a hole with people. That's not a lot. Right. <laughs> it's a little bit different than what these guys are right? doing. Right. But I also don't make the money that they make. So it's all different. But I, I think okay. gambling is part of golf. Now, to your point about it's a team event. Now, if he had bet against the Ryder Cup and mm -hmm. pulled a Tim Donahue and was like, hey, so-and-so's, you know, Tiger's knee is really, really bad. And this isn't like the U.S. Open. And you have inside information and you bet against something. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that. But it has been standard practice in the Open Championship for okay. people where, where gambling is more accepted and has been for a longer time for like a Kevin Streelman to go at, you know, 200 to 1 odds and put a grand or 10 grand on himself to win. Shouts to Breeze Through for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Uh, we gave out some Breeze Through tumblers last week. Thanks We've to got OG Mixtape. One mixtapes. left. We got to re up on some mixtapes. One. We have a contestant for the next mixtape. We got the way. a couple of contestants lined up. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for that. We just need uh, Stacy to get here with okay. her uh, East Tennessee accent to read us some lyrics. Looking trying to make to sure they all work. I was listening to some songs. I'm, 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 I told her I'd send her the lyrics to make sure she's okay with some of these all right but uh looking forward to it okay that that should be fun uh you can drop by breeze through you can actually buy one yourself uh on the 20 lifetime bucks. What a deal. It's, just, it's just 20 Seriously. bucks uh better yet you can go in get snacks tailgating seasons right around the corner so you can go into the beer cave we're gonna be doing a show from beer cave pretty soon i'm very excited about that Pumped. once we get into the got football my, season got my sweatshirt already so check out <laughs> check out breeze through uh across the triangle also shouts to butcher's market we thank them for sponsoring ovies and Gilio. Thanks to our friend Aaron Beard, who apparently has uh, had the Butcher's Market budget uptick because of the steak and cheese sandwich. Yeah, butchersmarkets.com. Here's the thing, though. I'm ready, Joe. Are you ready for a tailgate experience? Yeah. This will be our next event once we clear golf. Mm -hmm. I say we go over to the arena. Okay. We have a tailgate. Yeah. We get. I thought tailgate. I thought tailgating was dead thanks to the PNC we arena get improvements. Kenneth. We get some sandwiches. We get some listeners. Mm hmm. Maybe we even figure out some transportation. <laughs> we get this thing. We do it right. All right.
But even if you don't join our OG tailgate of 20, the great OG tailgate at 23, go check out Butcher's Market, Cary, Holly Springs, Millbrook Road, home base. Get your sandwiches, get your meats, get your hot dogs. Never thought I would be uh, hard on those hot dogs. They're really good. Make your own. Make your own. Messi did it again, dude. Oh, boy. <laughs> did it again. I saw that. I saw the angle of the goal. It was ridiculous. There's five people around him. And all I could think about was what you said. He's on rookie mode. He's on rookie mode. So <laughs> look, I love being ahead of the curve on a, on a few things. Uh, shout out to one of our listeners who pointed out the onion is out here writing factual sports stories. And this is the headline from the onion. MLS parents complain Leo <laughs> Messi to advance for son's league. Find the lie. Find the lie. It was a pretty soccer weekend. You got the start of English Premier League. Shout out to everybody who's waking up early on a Monday morning, including Luke DeCock complaining about Everton already. Um, so we got all the the all caps English Premier League stuff. Spain wins the World Cup. Of course, that's mired in controversy because you get a guy kissing the players on the podium while they're receiving their trophies. Dude, it was a bad look. But Spain, England, and inappropriate, inappropriate, inappropriate conduct by by officials by FIFA in officials what? get out right no so Spain and England play a game England continues that they can't even get the like they can't win anything all right no. there was a meme that made the rounds shouts, about, to, shouts to my English fans there's definitely a fan out there who likes the Bills NC State and English soccer <laughs> and I feel for you I'll save the brass monkey for you so what I find fun there was a meme making the rounds that I can't I don't have time to pull it up but I thought it was funny that essentially it was advanced sport introduces it to the world but can never win it. That would be England when it comes to soccer. Then there's the U.S. Invent sport. They're the only country that plays it. We could, we just keep winning it. That's our football, but that's essentially it. I just wanted to make a quick point about Messi because this has been something that has persisted over the last couple of days after um, I, I made the point on ESPN radio as a normie sports talk radio caller that it looks like a guy who is playing way above his skill. And the Onion, I wish I had the brilliance of the people who write the Onion headlines because they absolutely nailed it. And it resonated with me because this past weekend, Jacob's Junior Canes travel hockey extravaganza began in earnest. They had the placement tournament. It's not a tournament. It's just preseason for travel hockey. Everybody plays each other. They do an assessment. They kind of determine what division you should be in in the Carolina Hockey League, the Youth Hockey League. And invariably, there's always a conversation when you see one of these kids on the ice and you go, wait a minute. How old is he? Like, what Danny Almonte (laughs) shit is this? All right. And Jacob, he's, he's a shorter guy. I mean, he's, he's grown. He's kind of built like me. He's got the T-Rex arms. He's not going to be an overly tall guy. I'm 5'10", whatever. He's got amazing hair. He's a smaller guy. But once you get to that 12U range, you're seeing kids who have been drinking whole milk. Just had a spurt. And they've just had that spurt. And kids who have not had that spurt yet. Plus, you have younger, you know, like the birthdays yeah. that are later in the year versus earlier in the year and everything else. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book about it. But, dude. Yeah. There was a kid this weekend that I was like, January 1st. <laughs> Why do you have a thicker beard than me? <laughs> You're 12. 
Like what's going on here? One of the kids that Jackson played little league baseball with his dad's actually the, the head coach at Garner basketball yeah. high school. And his son was a sophomore last year, full beard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Keaton, what happened here? What's going on? Well, I see this. So marching band is another example. Like six, seven. Now he's a big kid. Look, man, marching band is another example of this where it's, it's funny as, as kids are getting ready to go back to school. I know you just dropped James off at, at ECU. First day of class today. Crazy, he's been instructed man. to get a picture for his that's, mother. That's crazy. That's crazy. I'm feeling old. But high school is where you really get that line of demarcation from oh, yeah. like actual adults versus oh, baby freshmen. You don't even. So Caleb's in marching band over at Enlo. So I went over to Enlo's first football game of the season on Friday. They lost and ended up losing to Southeast. And you can see like seniors, I'm going, wait a minute, what grown ass man is on campus here? Mm-hmm. But then I think to myself, crap, that's going to be my kid in about two years since he's a sophomore at Enlo. But it, it's just, it's all relative. Like I remember when the kids went to kindergarten, I looked at the fifth graders and I'm like, who are these little adults? <laughs> then they get smell to, the fifth graders. <laughs> then you get to middle school and there are sixth graders and you look at the eighth graders like, who are these little adults? And then you get to high school, same thing. Man, these seniors look like grown ass men. Not, and then in college, you probably you probably felt the same way when you're dropping James off at ECU, where James looks young in comparison to all the people that are showing up on campus. Like I remember feeling like I was a baby my freshman year compared to seniors who were like, "Oh, you're like real adults." And of course, that's all relative too, because now in our 40s, we see people just coming out of college. I'm like, "Oh, it's so adorable. You're a baby." It's all relative, man. We it's try to help the youths. So this gets back to messy. On a serious note, I want to be clear about what I'm getting at with Messi. I think it's great what he's doing. It's gotten people to dream for MLS and Apple. That's for sure. But what are you doing after that? Like the people who you are, ask questions after, that's what you do. When you get to that problem, the, when you get to I it. guess you get to that problem <laughs> when you get to that problem. But, you know, the reason why MLS is on Apple in the first place is it could never really knock out an audience on the local level. They couldn't get regional sports networks. They couldn't get ESPN to buy it. We're at a point where these networks are making really judicious decisions on what they want to spend money on. And Apple, there's some reports that Apple's interested in buying ESPN. This can completely change what I'm talking about in the near future. But for the time being, understand why MLS is on Apple. is because the networks did not feel that they were a viable entity to make money on. And Apple was not really keen on giving you subscription numbers before Messi showed up. They'll tell you all about it now. And Messi is a story. He's a must-watch guy. He's always been a must-watch guy if you're into soccer. But the question I would ask you is, for a guy, MLS is historically a place where guys go to get that last check in their twilight years when they know they cannot compete on a particular level. I know he was just in the World Cup. I get all that stuff. But he understands he is not at the level he used to be. What does that tell you about your league, that this guy is doing what he is doing this summer? and has dragged Inter-Miami, who was in last place, to just winning a freaking little (laughs) League Cup thing this past weekend. What does that tell you? Like The crazy thing about MLS is the same problem with the Panthers. You you have to have an ID. Yes. Right? And it used to be, when MLS was originally formed, it was, hey, these are the guys who were the stars of the national team. And now they have a league to play in and to to develop. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like over time it was, okay, the the top guys are going over to play in, in the top leagues in the world. That's great. But we still have MLS to develop players. For the national team. Now they're now the national team is basically saying, do not play in the MLS. We don't want you if you play in the MLS. We want you to go out when you're 18 and 19 and go play overseas 
and then you're playing against the best competition the whole time. That kind of leaves MLS in this situation where, yeah, they care in Portland and they care in Seattle and they have spots, Mm -hmm. you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, some of these places where they have Columbus, where they have other teams. But ultimately, it gets back to my conundrum of sports in general right now. Everything is a niche sport other than the NFL. Well, Major League Baseball is a niche sport, just so happens to be in the biggest niches. Major League Soccer is a niche sport that's in smaller niches. Big thanks to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. We're getting towards the end of summer, but that does not mean that mosquitoes are going to suddenly stop being active. September can be hot. October can be hot. Mosquito Authority can take care of that. And speaking of uh, of all the heat, you got critters that are trying to come into the house. That's where Pest Authority can take care of that. Check them out at BugsBite.com. Yeah, this 360 moisture barrier is no joke. And don't forget, we're, we're real close to rain season. Yeah, all man. that moisture under my house. I would be in a mess right now if not for that 360 barrier. So again, call Mosquito Authority, call Pest Authority, have them come out. Hey, take a look at my attic. Hey, take a look under my house because they don't just come in and try to kill bugs. Mm -hmm. They come in and try to give you a holistic treatment to make sure that your house is in the best shape possible because you never know when you need to sell that thing either. Also, shout out to Oak City Sports Cards, buy, sell, grade, trade. Grading is the most important part about this. You might have a card you think has value. It might not have value. So before you put it on eBay and either get too much money for it or not enough money for it, you go to Oak City Sports Cards to get that thing graded. Weston's taking care of you. Yeah, plus you got rookie cards coming out real yes, soon. Yes, that's true. Head that's down, true. get key. those autographs. Plus, it's going to be Victor Wimbanyama sweepstakes soon as well. And trust me when I tell you, you're not going to be able to get your hands on them, but Weston will. All right. We'll close out the show uh, with a kind of a special edition of Hey Joe. Yes. All right. So Oakwood Pizza Box sponsors Hey Joe. We get invariably Hey Joe questions about how the podcast is doing, how things are going. So I thought in this particular case, what we would do is- Do you have a slideshow? I don't have a slideshow. I have a bunch of, I have a bunch of stats though. (laughs) Okay. I have, I have a bunch of this here, right? So anyway, uh, give Oakwood Pizza Box a shout. Check them out online at oakwoodpizzabox.com. Wednesday through Sunday. Yes, that's key. When you want to go by, I highly recommend you do. Get yourself a picture of Narragansett. Ask for the brass monkey. Does Anthony have brass monkey? He doesn't have brass monkey? Okay. He's got the red bubbles. He's got Lambrusca. He does not have the yellow bubbles. Check out oakwoodpizzabox.com. Uh, and put in your order today. All right. So this is episode 50. There's some additional, if you look at our podcast list, there's actually, I think, 52 right now because we had the, hey, we're doing this. Mm. And there was an additional OG overtime, which we'll probably do some more of once we get into football season and there's some Thursday night games. In fact, you and I got to figure out what we're doing for that first NC State game because they play on a Thursday, right? They do. I'm going to be up in Hershey. Okay, so we'll we'll figure something out on a on a Friday. Look at this technology. Yeah, I know technology is an amazing thing. So let's. Uh, I feel we can go through this in terms of, you know, what were our goals when we started this thing? This and, feels like a meeting. We're not having like a, a meeting. This feels like a uh, performance review as well. You no, know, I don't no, no, like no, 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 no. one of those things. Well, here's the thing, Joe. When I give annual reviews based on a scale of one to five, I never give out fives. Uh, yeah. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Just so you give you know. out ones. So you're saying if I got a four, that's a five? Is that what you're saying? You're scarring me, please. <laughs> All right. So let's start with some goals. Studio space. Hello, Eford Studios. Thanks to Empire Thank Properties. Thank you, Greg. No, seriously, um, Greg Hatem, Empire Properties have been amazing 
landlords, if you will, for uh, for this space. <laughs> what? What do you got to do? Your boy forgetting things. Oh, what, what did you forget? <laughs> you just keep going. All right. I'm, I'm going to pull it over. So multitask. So we could have done this at a parent's house. Like we could have done this at we, your parents' yeah, house. We did it a couple of. No, what? you did it at your parents' house. Right, right. I never did it at my parents' house, even oh. though I did joke about the fact that I would take over our old. I mean, I had enough space in our in my old bedroom in my parents' house yeah. to carry. I know you. We could have done something at your parents' house, but yes. we needed like an actual studio space somewhere in downtown Raleigh. That's that's preferable. And Empire Properties has come through in a big way. So we have a studio space. You're watching this unfold. We're kind of like in the process of getting it right with lighting and video and everything else for YouTube. But sound-wise, I think we're at the point where we need to be. Again, big thanks to Empire Properties for that. Title sponsor was a big one that I wanted to accomplish in the summertime. Huge. Copiers Plus came through. They're our title sponsor, not just through the rest of this year, but they're going to be our title sponsor throughout 2024. So for them supporting us, we hope that you go support them and check them out at copiers-plus.com, which also gets us to our OG, OG sponsors. When the blip occurred and we were thinking about doing this, the only way to make it work is if we can make money off of it. And a lot of folks, and we just got done talking about Oak, Oak, uh, Oak City Sports Cards or Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority or Oakwood Pizza Box. There were a lot of people who jumped on from the start, the OG OGs from Butcher's Market, Whitaker and Hamer and the like. We thank all of them for being on board and they continue to be on board with what we're doing. So I think that's another thing that was like kind of an early on. If this is going to work, we're going to need people to jump aboard and people have Joe. Yeah, we're not here without Hayes and without Anthony and yeah. without Kenneth and Josh um, Bennett. Mm-hmm. He's their automotive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's fairly remarkable. Weston, yeah, I'm gonna miss some names here. Jim Roberts, uh, who yeah, you know, at, uh, that Wilmington. first month, yep, at new was like, hey man, I've been in your position before, and that that's the part of it that is both rewarding and humbling to think about, right? That I'm in this market media wise. This will be my 28th year. Mm-hmm. You're in this market. How many years now? I mean, I started doing radio my senior year at NC State, 2000, 2001. Okay, so 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to think of all that time that people weren't just saying to you, oh, you guys are good. Mm -hmm. No, they they actually meant it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean everyone agrees with everything that we say. That's for sure. Um, But it is different when you have to go to somebody and say, hey, I actually need money from you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. It's it's different. It is. And obviously, uh, as I like to tell people, the... You know, the butcher's market in particular is one of those, it's like a, they could sell a class. They could, they could use that example in a class mm-hmm. right now of, of modern marketing and advertising and how your company could be successful. Also, folks on Red Circle, which is to, pod- be, to be clear, yeah, that's not us. That's made it successful. It's, it's oh, you. It's, well, that's what it's I was getting listeners. at. It's the people who have used the social media yeah. the way that you have and the way that you've supported us in a vocal way. And I get some of it is anti other things, but I feel like for the most part, Mm -hmm. people have been pro us. And that's what I want to see. And that's what I get with the red circle podcast publishing platform that we're using. It has, has the ability to do donations. There's a several number without us asking, we have not asked for this, but there's several, a, a good chunk of you that have set up recurring donations through red circle, which we appreciate. And for full disclosure, which is what this entire segment is about, that money that's going into donations or the money we make off of YouTube goes into merch. So like the stickers and whatnot that I've been sending out to people, all that stuff is essentially paid for by 
Red Circle donations, uh, T-shirts that we're going to be giving away at OG Pizza Night. Those things were paid for by donations and YouTube money. So we thank you for that. I'm, I'm putting that stuff into use to kind of give back. The so, Roadcaster. Yeah, the Roadcaster was essentially paid for by early donations. So we appreciate that. Speaking of YouTube, we did get to 4,000 views or 4,000 subscribers, uh, which was a goal of mine because that's where things were before the blip. And then there was ACC kickoff. And ACC kickoff was important on a couple of different fronts. The biggest one was, you know, do we have everything we need to make this work? The answer to that is yes. But more important to me, it was to get the schools to understand that we're not doing anything different. We're going to continue doing what we've always done as a radio show, just without the radio show itself. It's now podcast. And we can get into all sorts of existential conversations about what media is today and the type of people who do show up to these media events now. But I think with the combined experience between you and me and the connections we've made over time, it made it really easy for the ACC and the local schools to understand, oh, okay, cool. You guys are just doing what you're doing. And on different platforms. That's without even knowing our podcast numbers, because quite frankly, I think even you're surprised. We'll get to that. Because, yeah, if you would have told me, you know, our audience, I would have, I would have thought my age. Yeah. But that's not the case. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Content sharing. That's come through with the News and Observer. A lot of the reason why we're doing what we're doing with the News and Observer is a mutually beneficial relationship. Uh, they've got SEO, they've got landing pages, they got all that kind of stuff that helps us. We help them by giving them content and we'll probably be doing some more stuff with the News and Observer uh, in the future. And then the other thing was beyond just what we're doing here is building out other shows as well, slowly but surely. We've got now a Nine Vice, which is the extension of the beer podcast. You've brought Law of the Wolf online. There's Picks the and real Pizza. Pack Therapy. Yes. yes, the real Pack Therapy. And of course, we've got the Bryce Young podcast with Lauren and Dimitri. And we got merch. I mean, we're wearing the merch right now. I got the Ovi's and Gilio uh, hockey edition from breakingtea.com. You can check out the collection. That blue pops. That's nice. The blue does pop. Uh, go check out uh, the breakingtea.com slash OG. You got the hoodie on I right do. now, which is cool. I'll be wearing our shirts throughout the week. So stuff that we're still figuring out. Newsletter. I mean, there's a reason why I've been asking you all for emails. Like email us. Yeah, email us. We're, we're amassing a database. I'm being completely upfront yeah. about that. What we will do with those emails, I'm not quite sure yet. I'll be completely honest. I don't know what to do yet with a newsletter idea. I don't know if it's a thing to kind of keep people up to date with what we're doing. I don't know if there's any sort of written content we can get around to. I don't know if it's something we can do with our sponsors where if you join, you know, shout out to Shea Serrano, some sort of super secret email club where you yeah. get discounts to places. We're still kind of figuring out the newsletter thing. We'll get around to that. Speaking of podcasts, I would really like a Canes podcast to start up. Hopefully this season. It might not start up at the beginning of this season, but that's not to say that we might not have a Canes podcast by the middle of the season. But it is something that I'm kind of poking around and seeing how to make it work. Which gets us to the last point about stuff that we're figuring out is membership stuff. You know, a lot of people have pointed out to me, well, why don't you charge for Patreon? Why don't you charge YouTube premium subscriptions? You know, the, the difficulty with a lot of this stuff is Getting people to pay for things is hard, mm -hmm. all right? Which is why we've really appreciated folks who have gone out and supported sponsors. Yes. That's key. That is basically what you're doing. In a way, yes. Yeah. Because by supporting the sponsors, the, spons the sponsors will continue to support us. Correct. And I feel like that's a better way of making this whole thing work rather than asking you for a $5 a month subscription. Yeah, can you please like sell your house or buy a house through my HCR, please? Exactly. Hometown Realty. 
<laughs> so that that's one thing that we've been kind of trying to understand, or I've been kind of poking around of, is there content that you would actively pay for? I don't know the answer yeah. to that. I really don't know the answer to that. Well, I think the events are, that's where we need to evolve, yeah. right? We have a, we have a golf classic coming up. We have mm-hmm. a pizza night coming up. I think we'll learn from both of those things. But I think there's, there's opportunities there. Like I talked about with the tailgate, you know, maybe there's something with a, a bubble hockey or a knock mm-hmm. hockey, a tournament that we can do, uh, um, NHL 94. Um, so there, there's all different ideas that we have. It's just a matter of trying to figure out the best way to do those things. All right, you ready to talk about stats before we get out of here? Yes. All right, let's talk you know about I stats. I love the numbers. All right, let's talk about numbers. In order to understand the numbers, I think it's important for people to understand the differences between broadcast radio and podcasting. Okay. With broadcast radio, you are essentially dealing with frequency and catching people in brief moments of time. If we were lucky to catch you for five minutes in your car, it was considered a win. And when it comes to advertising, it comes in the form of frequency. Most of the ads that you hear on radio are things that you might not necessarily need right now. But when it does come time for you to need something, that frequency is supposed to kick in and you go, oh, I needed this service company or, oh, I've been in the market for a new car. Let me go check this out. He's for Automotive Group. So that's the frequency. The difference between radio and podcast is you're dealing with a much more dedicated user base that is willing to go out there and support the things that you are supporting. And there's another, there's a level of stripping away. It's more, it's more personal. So like sure. when we talk about stuff, these are things that we truly do do. We're not lying to you. We're not lying to you. <laughs> and that translates, that translates when you listen to a podcast yeah. form versus broadcast radio, which you might just think, oh, okay, well, they're paying this person to promote this particular product. That's not how it works on the podcast. It's, it's, also why we, it's also why we don't record any ads. No, everything is live. Everything is live. So that's that's important to understand the differences between broadcast radio and what we're trying to do with a podcast. Okay. Time spent listening, again, is another key thing, which we'll get to here in a second. You talked about age. When you talk about sports talk radio, essentially what you're dealing with is men 25 to 54. That's not to say that we don't have women who listen. We do. We always have. All right. But. It's the group that helped us the most in radio, actually. Well, in terms of overall numbers, yes. Women actually end up pushing you over the top. So never underestimate women. I never have. And I'm glad that we have our our female audience. But for advertising purposes, the thing that matters the most to sports talk radio is men 25 to 54. The problem is the audience continues to get older. Yeah. I actually sent you a tweet the other day from my guy, Robert, over at Sports TV Ratings is sending the median age of a lot of these sports that are being played during the summertime, including preseason football games. And what did you notice, Joe? Wow. What did you notice? Even older than me. Right. Which I was quite frankly surprised by. Back in the day when Adam and I were doing the show, I used to care more about the numbers that were men 18 to 34. I felt that if you could get a radio audience member to join you around that time, they'll stick with you going forward. And that paid off dividends. But over the last couple of years, those ratings for men 18 to 34 had started to drop off. And I remember asking a manager one time, hey, what happened to the audience that was 18 to 34? And they said, they're gone. I said, that I don't believe that because you and I both anecdotally know that people who will come up to us are a lot younger than us yes. in their late 20s, early 30s. Well, if they're not listening to the radio, what are they listening to? The youths love the podcast. Man. Exactly. So based, Thank you. <laughs> so based on the numbers that we're Zach. seeing, <laughs> so based on the numbers that we're seeing both on YouTube and on podcasts based on demographics, 
shockingly enough, it's actually skewing younger yes. than what we That's were getting been the biggest on the radio. surprise to me. It's not a surprise to me. I know it's not to you, but it's been the biggest surprise to me. All right. So let's get into some raw stats. You ready? I'm ready. Again, where is the spreadsheet? Where is I, I don't have the spreadsheet. F around. I don't find have, out. Yeah, hey, I, don't have this, I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me. All right. That's that's for episode 100. I'll, I'll get us a, well, a maybe we'll do that. All right. Oh, one last note about podcasts. On the radio side of things, the best of podcasts I always viewed as customer service. Sure. The goal was to get you to listen to the radio, to listen to the live show. The podcast was there just in case you missed something time shifted, which reflected in the numbers, which since the transition over to podcasts only, the numbers have been exponential in terms of who's listening and how often they're listening. So as of episode 50, we're approaching 200,000 downloads, but that doesn't tell you the whole story because you can get to a bunch of downloads real quick. If you just have frequency, you just keep doing shows and that adds up over time. So what's a better way to gauge what's going on? Well, Apple and Spotify make it easier for you to understand who's following you. Who's a dedicated listener. As of this show, we've got about 2,000, just over 2,000 followers on Apple, and we have over 1,000 followers on Spotify. And then there's some scragglers on Google, on Amazon, and the like. We're averaging around 3,500. These are round numbers that I'm giving right now because uh, it, it truly does vary. We're averaging around 3,500 per episode, which is a pretty good number because you're probably wondering, well, that doesn't sound really great. Well, let's consider this. Depending on who you look at, could be from Buzzsprout, which is a podcast hosting company, Libsyn, which is another podcast hosting company. Uh, you can look at Edison Research. But these are about ballpark figures to understand, depending on which research outlet you look at, what the percentages are of podcast listening. If you get 500 downloads in seven days, because these things time shifted, they add up over time. If you get 500 downloads in seven days, you're considered in the top 10% of all podcasts. If you get around 1,200 downloads in the first seven days, you're already considered in the top 5% of podcasts. And if you get over 5,000 downloads in the first seven days and around 9,000 or more in the first 28 days, you're considered to be in the top 1%. And like I said, at around 3,500 per episode, we're already in that range of between the top 5 and 1% of all podcasts. And you're thinking, man, that sounds pretty incredible. It is because podcasts are very niche, but yes. they're motivated audiences. And there's 4.1 million listed podcasts. 19% of those, based on the last research, are considered active. There was a huge uptick in podcasts back in 2020. What happened in 2020, Joe? Mm, the world shut down. Okay. Okay. On Apple, they report that there's just under 500,000 active podcasts right now. Active podcast, meaning a podcast that's been updated in the last 90 days. We're obviously updating a lot more than that. All this is to say that we're doing pretty well. And I had to retrain my brain as to what is successful and what is not successful. And when I see that number, initially I thought, oh man, that's not doing really good. But when you actually put it in the context of who's actually listening, the podcast is also doing pretty well, in my opinion. Now, the Those other are also real numbers. Not to get into what ratings are, but it's an extrapolation and it's a guess. Not only are they real numbers, when you say real numbers, they are organic numbers. There's a yeah. game that is played through embedded podcasts that they end up on a website. You see the little widget. Sometimes they get auto-played. I do not count those numbers because we don't have those numbers. We don't have a website where our podcast just lives in a story. And this is the most important feature of what's going on with the podcast. About 75% of our podcast 
are consumed, meaning that three-fourths of the audience is listening to the entirety of the podcast. We're testing that today. Yeah, I know. We're already at 90 minutes. We're over at 90 minutes. So if you've listened to all of it, the average is 68%. Joe's done. Joe's done with the podcast. So the average is 68%. The average is 68%. We're clocking at 75%. So are all good things. People man. are consuming the podcast. Then there's YouTube. We'll close on YouTube. Oh, boy. We're at 4,000 subscribers, but subscribers don't tell the whole story. All right. Because you can see a web page. You can see a YouTube content creator with 1,200 subscribers, yet they'll get some videos that are getting, you know, 20,000 views or whatever it is. What's the word that you like to use? Fugazi? Yes. Fugazi, right? A lot of It's YouTube, not real. It's a Fugazi. A Fugazi. A, a, lot of, a lot of YouTube numbers are Fugazi. Okay. And the reason why that is, is SEO. If you put the right keywords in, your stuff will get presented when you log into YouTube. The key number to understand is what's your retention? When the video gets presented to you and it auto plays, are people sticking with it or are they bailing within the first 30 seconds? And what you come to find out is a lot of these videos that have 20,000 views, 5,000 views, end up having really crappy retention rates that they're already bailing within the first 30 seconds of that video. All they're giving you is a raw start. They're not giving you publicly who's actually sticking around and watching the content. With us, if you see a video that only has about a thousand views, like this show might have a thousand views based on what you see on that raw number. The key part is roughly 65% of you are watching the majority of the show. That's key. That's the number that matters the most. So all this is to say that three months into this thing, I'm optimistic about where things are going and where they will continue to go once football season comes around. And that's ultimately a thanks to the listeners who have stuck with us and are engaging with us and checking out our stuff. And we appreciate that about you. Here's to the next 50. Meeting's over, Joe. See, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Was it that bad? I'm going to bite my tongue off. So let's just let's get on to the next 50. All right. We'll see y'all later in the week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.